You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Oh, what a beautiful day of football. Absolutely beautiful. Brilliant. Marvellous. One of the best days of football I've seen in a while. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Hello if you're watching us live, if you're on YouTube with us right now, if you're on Facebook. Big hello to anybody who is tuning into this later on, the next day or whenever. If you're listening to us, I hope you're well. If you're watching us, Hope you're well too. Um, I'm just absolutely delighted. Absolutely delighted by what I saw from my team today. Absolutely delighted by what I saw from the Premier League today. It was a really, really entertaining and great day. And um, there's lots and lots to dig our teeth into during this show. Um, If you are in the live chat right now, if you are watching us on YouTube, make sure you've hit that like button if you haven't done so already. In fact, if you enjoyed Arsenal's performance, give the video a like. If you're listening via the audio, make sure you leave us a review. That really, really does help. And I can see there are plenty of you with us already. Um, So, yeah, quite looking forward to this one, I have to say. Arsenal 2, Leicester City nil. Couldn't have asked for much more than that today, to be honest. I mean, we talked a lot in the week about what we should be taking from this fixture. And I was very, very cautious and I was very kind of adamant that even if Arsenal were to take a point from the King Power Stadium, I'd have been content. I'd have been quite happy with that. I'd have been quite positive about that because it would have shown that we can go away to a side that many people told me were better than us, are better than us, and come away with some sort of result. Not only did we go there and come away with some sort of result, we went there and we left with all three points. And that was as good a performance as we've seen from the Arsenal in a very, very long time. You know, we looked at the Villa performance and, you know, the first half of the Villa game was was obviously outstanding. We were good in the second half in terms of the way we managed the game as well. But we said that was the best performance we'd seen in ages. And then Arsenal better it. Arsenal go one further by going away from home against a very, very fancied Leicester City side and coming away with all three points. And do you know what it is for me? On the one hand, I'm obviously buzzing because Arsenal have taken a valuable three points. Arsenal continue their unbeaten run. Arsenal continue to silence their critics. But for me, the person I'm happiest for today is Mikel Arteta. I have taken so much stick, so much criticism on this podcast, on other platforms, for defending the fact that there is some kind of plan but defending the fact that we need to give this team time, that we need to give him time to really kind of build and and continue to develop this side to eventually get to the place where we want to be. And and I've got to say that Mikel Arteta over the last few weeks, couple of months, has really shown some incredible progress. And when you think how much his back was up against the wall at the start of the season, to have stuck to what he's kind of doing and and really kept belief in himself and in his group 
and continue to keep plugging away behind the scenes to a point now where we're going away to Leicester City and turning in performances like that is a real credit to the man's character. And we hear a lot of the time, don't we, that, you know, there's all this dressing room disharmony and that people, you know, are, are not happy with the way Mikel Arteta's managing the club, those within the club I'm talking about. Yet the levels of commitment shown from so many of those players out on the pitch over the last couple of months or so proves that to be completely false. You can say what you like about Mikel Arteta. You can say that he's not tactically astute enough. You can say that he's not experienced enough. You can say that sometimes he makes the wrong decisions. But what you cannot say is that he's lost the dressing room. You cannot say that these players are not fighting for him. You cannot say that in the transfer market, he's necessarily done a bad job because a lot of the players that really have stepped up to the mark and have really been instrumental in Arsenal's recent run of form are players that Mikel Arteta has brought to the club. Did it take a little bit longer than we would have liked? Yeah, of course. You know, of course it did. We had a lot of players to move out, a lot of contract situations to resolve, a lot of ongoing issues in the background that Mikel Arteta had to take in his stride and deal with while still trying to maintain a level of performance week in, week out from a very inconsistent side. And we're not there yet. You know, we're not the finished article. We're a long way from it. We're not even, I would say, at this point, genuine top four contenders. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't want to get carried away. But what we are is a team who have been rebuilding and a team who are developing very, very nicely. And as I've said before, when it comes to Mikel Arteta, there will be critics and there will be people that will question whether or not he's the right man for the job. But if his team can continue to churn out performances of that level, if not every single week, then every couple of weeks, every three weeks, then it gives us as fans some hope. It gives us something to look at and say, OK, we are a little bit inconsistent. We are relying on a lot of young players to all be at their peak level week in, week out. But we can see the vision. We can see the plan. We can see that the team are indeed very well coached. We can see indeed that he's not afraid to change systems, to make tweaks when it's not going his way. And we're seeing all of that. And that gives me encouragement. I talked about it last week. I'm emotionally invested in this Arsenal team. I really, really am. Because I love Aaron Ramsdale. I love Gabriel. I love what I've seen from Ben White in recent weeks. I love Takahiro Tomiyasu and his honesty. I love Nuno Tavares. I love Kieran Tierney. I love Thomas Partey. I love Le Conga. I, I even love Granit Xhaka. Yes, I love Granit Xhaka. I love all of them. Saka, Smith-Rowe, Aubameyang, Lacazette. There's so much to love about this Arsenal side that I'm completely invested. And I found it really, really difficult to kind of keep my mind focused on what I think is the right thing for the club to be doing with Mikel Arteta in terms of giving him that little bit of leeway, giving him that bit of time in the hope that eventually it will come good. And I've had a few wobbles. I admit it. I had a wobble when we got knocked out by Villarreal last year in the Europa League. I had a wobble at the start of the season. I had a kind of semi-wobble after the Crystal Palace game. Maybe. 
Although that might have just been me reacting straight after the match. But ultimately, the point I'm trying to make is we've all had wobbles, but we have to stick with this team. We have to stick with these players. We have to stick with this manager for the time being. And if he continues to turn out performances like that and give us something to feed on, that's them doing their job. And our job as fans is to get behind this team and drive them forward. And I'm really, really positive and really, really excited right now. Um, fantastic. I, I, I can't even put it into words how much I enjoyed today's performance. Not only did I enjoy today's Arsenal performance, though, I was then commentating on the Liverpool-Brighton fixture at Anfield. And I know a few of you um, were tuned in. A few of our Discord members were tuned into that. So thank you for showing your support. That was a cracking game as well. Liverpool dropping points. Manchester City losing at home to Crystal Palace. And I um, I called it. I said it on our weekend preview show that I fancied Crystal Palace to get something from Manchester City. People laughed. There you go. And then Tottenham get battered. Not just everywhere they go, even at home. By Manchester United. What a cracking day of Premier League football. Honestly, it was bloody brilliant. But let's focus in, let's home in on Arsenal and the performance that they turned out today at the King Power Stadium. Because a lot of, of the big critics, you know, and I'm talking about people within our own fan base who are really, have really kind of stuck the boot in on Mikel Arteta on numerous occasions up until now, told me that this was the test. This was the litmus test. Only today would we find out if Arsenal have actually progressed over the last couple of months, or if this was a little bit of a full storm. And we went there and we passed the test pretty much with flying colours, you have to say. Were there difficulties at times? Yeah, of course. But you go away to a side of Leicester City's quality, that's always going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. You're not going to have it all your own way for 90 minutes, especially not away from home. So... Yeah, I think we passed the test with flying colours. Um, just a quick reminder, if you uh, are in the chat box, um, make sure that you hit that like button as well uh, on the video because that does really, really help and it brings more people over to the stream while we're live as well. It helps with the algorithm. Big thank you uh, to Noah Daniels for your very, very kind super chat donation. He says, what do you think of Tottenham? I'll say it because you donated shit. There you go. Brilliant stuff. Um, look, Let's start off with the team selection. And obviously there were doubts going into the game about the fitness of Ben White. And that was a big concern. It was a big worry. We talked about it at length. What do we do? Do we bring Takahiro Tomiyasu in at centre-back? Do we bring Rob Holding in like for like? You know, what's the solution? Because I think from what we'd heard about Ben White going into the game, obviously he hadn't trained up until Friday you worried a little bit about whether he was going to be available. And it was a real frustration for me because I was sitting there going, well, everybody's telling me that this is the biggest test of, of you know, whether or not this Arsenal side are progressing. And one of the key reasons we have progressed and and I and develop, I believe, is the development of a really great um, central defensive partnership. And then if that had to be broken up for a game like this, that would have felt like really... A kick in the balls, to be honest. So I'm delighted that Ben White was past fit and Ben White played. And he was magnificent, wasn't he? And that meant that Arsenal could name an unchanged side from the one that beat Aston Villa so convincingly last time out. It was Ramsdale in goal, a back four, Tommy Asu, 
White, Gabriel, and Nuno Tavares, who, of course, continues to deputise for Kieran who didn't travel today through injury. In midfield, it was Lokonga alongside Partey. It was Saka on the right, Smith-Rowe on the left, and then Laka and Oba up top. It was, you know, it was the team that we would have all picked. It was the team that we all wanted to see start. We were all incredibly pleased by what um, we saw from Arsenal against Aston Villa. And we were all very kind of uh, positive about the, the formation switch and change that Mikel Arteta made for that game. So a lot of us wanted to see it again. I think there were some Arsenal fans out there and, and you know, justifiably, I'm not criticising those people who were a little bit worried about whether that was a formation that you could play at home, but not necessarily one that you could play away. And I'm actually surprised that Leicester played the way they did in terms of their formation and setup. Um, you know, uh, with a back three because of how the way our formation or because of the way our formation caused Villa problems. We play in a similar way just recently. But saying that as Brendan Rodgers as a, as a manager of a club that, you know, are not down at the bottom of the league or, or will not be down at the bottom of the league come the end of the season, he's got to play his way, right? Not have his way dictated to him by a visiting side that most people didn't give a hope in hell of coming away with any points. So I get that. Um, but yeah, the team selection was spot on. Um, obviously, it was made easier by the fact that we were so good against Aston Villa and uh, Mikel Arteta went with uh, an unchanged side. Uh, just before we continue, I want to say a big hello to Lee Chappie in the chat. Um, big Leicester man. Uh, Lee, welcome to the show, mate. Hope you're well. Unlucky for today. Um, but it's I'm I'm glad you're here. Delighted that you're here with us. Um, that's a good sport. And he says one thing for sure: Ramsdale was bloody awesome. Uh, we only played 45 minutes, unfortunately. We'll come on to talk about Ramsdale and plenty of other individuals. But as I said already in this in this episode, Leicester were very good for spells as well, and Arsenal had to ride the storm out at times. Um, you know, and, and that, as I say, was always going to be the case. You're not going to go to the King Power and get it all your own way for 90 minutes. Let's run through the team then and talk about some of the individual performances. And actually, before we do that, let's talk about the goals. Um, you can tell I'm doing this late at night and I'm I'm half asleep. I had a few drinks this evening as well, I've got to be honest. Uh, but the goals, Gabriel opened the scoring after five minutes. Wonderful kind of I don't, was it his head? Was it his, the back of his head? <laughs> he kind of turned at a funny angle, but he did enough to steer the ball into the back of the net, which was excellent. Arsenal's set piece coach, new set piece coach, uh, earning his money, isn't he? Um, with some, um, you know, obviously with some improvements in the set piece department. I think if I'm not mistaken, that's three games in a row now that Arsenal have scored from a set piece. And that is a massive, uh, you know, difference and a massive improvement from where we were at. So fair play to him and the job that he's doing. Gabriel is an absolute beast in the air. He was magnificent in every element today. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But just in terms of the goal, brilliant the way he made the run across the front post, heads it home. And the second goal, um, you know, was also really well taken by Emil Smith-Rowe. It almost reminded me a little bit of Robert Pires. Uh, the way he kind of just strolled onto the edge of the box. And when the ball broke there, he was there and on hand to just use his instep and put it into the far corner. Brilliant finish from him as well. And we called on him and we have called on him 
time and time again to add more goals to his game. And he's doing that, Emil Smith-Rowe, to be fair to him. So, uh, yeah, brilliant to see him continue to develop. But those goals and that fast start is something that we've seen from Arsenal in the last few weeks that we hadn't necessarily seen too often previously. Starting games like a house on fire is very, very important in the Premier League because if you can get yourself into a position of advantage early on in a game, then you can drop off a little bit. You can make things more difficult for your opponent. You can manage the game a little bit better, I feel. You're not chasing things. Um, you know, one of the things that I've always been incredibly impressed by uh, from Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool is the way that they start games so incredibly fast, especially at Anfield. They make it impossible for you to settle down and settle into a rhythm. And then more often than not, they've already done the damage early doors and then you're playing catch up and then they can sit that little bit deeper and pick you off and use the pace that they have to expose you in behind. And I thought Arsenal really started the game brilliantly again today. They were pressing really high up the pitch forcing turnovers. And look, with pressing, okay, and we've talked quite a bit about pressing over the last few weeks because we've seen it dramatically improve um, in in recent weeks. Pressing is not just about somebody going in and winning a tackle and coming out with the ball. Pressing is also about funneling the play into areas of the pitch that you feel more comfortable defending in. Right. So that's funneling people into wide areas or into an area where your centre halves can clean up or, you know, wherever it may be for your team, you know, but your press has to be structured and it has to be purposeful. It has to be done as a unit. It has to be done all of the time and properly. And you know what? Arsenal in recent weeks have done it incredibly well. The way they press with such energy and funnel the play into areas of the pitch in which they're superior to their opponents so that they can start controlling the game and dictating the play. It's been a joy to behold. And that's credit to Mikel Arteta because these same players weren't doing that previously. So it's obviously something that the team have worked on. It's obviously something that's been coached into them. And it feels like now the pennies dropped and people are getting it. People are understanding not just from a fan's perspective as to what Mikel Arteta is trying to do, but it feels like the players have, have clicked as well. It feels like they finally understand exactly what it is that Mikel Arteta expects from them week in, week out. Pressing is part of the modern game. And some teams do it and some teams do it to great effect. Other teams try to do it and can't do it and decide to retreat off the back of that. We've seen that if you do it effectively, it it is brilliant. You can push people back. You can force people back. You can force people into errors. And if you can't win the ball firsthand, if you can't win the ball in that pressing motion as the striker leading it, for example, then you funnel the play, as I keep saying, into areas of the pitch where your defensive players, uh, if they win their duels and in individual battles, will win the ball back for your team. So we set the tone from very, very early on. And, and look, it took us five minutes, I think, to break the deadlock. But in that five minutes, we'd done enough to, to warrant being ahead. That was the thing. Arsenal looked that good. Bakayo Saka broke in behind really early on, didn't he? And forced an opportunity. And then 13 minutes later, we added the second Emil Smith throw. And within 20 minutes, Arsenal were two goals to the good at Leicester. And that completely put us in the driving seat, put us in a very strong position. OK, Leicester, 
you know, started to get a foothold in the game at the end of the first half and were very good in the second half in terms of creating opportunities. Um, Aaron Ramsdale was equal to them. But I think the key moment for me in the first half, more key than the goals, was the Aaron Ramsdale double save. What a save. World class. I would go as far as saying that both of those stops were world class. And for me, and I've got to eat some humble pie here because I was one of the people during the summer that said, I'm not sure about the Ramsdale signing. I wouldn't be spending 25 plus million on Aaron Ramsdale. And I made it very, very clear at the time what my reasons were for that. And my reasons were not that Aaron Ramsdale is a shit goalkeeper or that Aaron Ramsdale will never go on to be a good goalkeeper. My reasons were simply, we've got Bern Leno. I don't know if Aaron Ramsdale is better than Bern Leno. And I think there are other areas in the team in which Arsenal would be better off investing what money they do have. And I was wrong. And I'm going to sit and I'm going to eat some humble pie. Because Aaron Ramsdale has come in, has taken that number one position off of Bern Leno. And as was said in commentary today by Darren Fletcher, Bern Leno sits on the sidelines, watches on as Aaron Ramsdale continues to hold the number one spot. And there's not a damn thing he can do about it because Ramsdale has been that good, that impressive, that brilliant. The save from James Madison's free kick to get across your goal that quickly. It's all about the footwork. The footwork is something that is so key in goalkeeping about moving your feet quickly and then knowing the right moment to launch off of the ground to time your dive right. It's such an important and imperative part of goalkeeping. And I think there have been a lot of goalkeepers over the years that when you have taken a free kick, for example, and gone for the Wolves side, they haven't always had that footwork to shift across and then time their dive right to make good contact with the ball. He dives to his left. He gets a really strong arm to the ball to parry it up onto the crossbar. He doesn't know where the ball's gone. You know, he's looking around. You can see him in the replay. He looks around. He looks left. He looks right. He looks up in the air. The minute he notices that Johnny Evans is coming in, He's up and he's at it again. And he gets an ever so slight touch on the ball that takes Johnny Evans's effort onto the post and puts the spin on the ball that then subsequently denies it from rolling over the line in time for Thomas Partey to get back and clear it. Now, had Leicester scored on the stroke of half time and we went in at the break 2-1, it could have been a very, very different game. But Aaron Ramsdale's stop proved key, proved key. And, and although Leicester City came out and in the start of the second half and throughout the second half actually played some really good stuff, probably up until around about the 70th minute, that must have been a real energy drainer for those Leicester players. You know, to see that they've done so much, they've put so much effort in towards the end of that half and to still be denied by the finest of margins by a brilliant goalkeeper, it must be really demoralising and really, really frustrating. So I thought that was a real key moment in this fixture. Ramsdale won the man of the match, and rightly so, because he made a whole host of saves. He came out and denied um, the likes of Barnes. He denied so many people um, at so many different moments. I thought he was brilliant. Great Peter Schmeichel-like saves, as they were described in the commentary, where he came out, opened his body up, arms out, not afraid to let the ball hit him, coming and closing down all kinds of angles. I thought he was excellent. Really, really strong. He came out and caught crosses. 
He had a bit of banter with the Leicester City fans as well. You know, he was just unbelievable in every department. He gave the ball away a couple of times with his distribution. And we know that Aaron Ramsdale's quite brave in his distribution. And that's partly why Arsenal signed him. And I'm also one of the people that accepts that if you have a goalkeeper that plays that way, there will be, um, you know, there will be moments over the course of the season where you will concede because of it. And I felt like one of those moments was just around the corner today. But thankfully, uh, that wasn't to be the case. But there was one really poor pass Ramsdale made in the first half, which led to an opportunity for Kelechi Iheanacho. And he tried to bend it into the far corner. And Ramsdale was equal to it. So, you know, those saves were massive today. We can talk a lot about what we did in an attacking sense in that first 18 minutes or so. But actually... Aaron Ramsdale played as big a part as anyone and he's proved a lot of his critics and a lot of his doubters wrong today. And, and I'm delighted for the lad. I really, really am. Um, moving into the defence, I thought Takahiro Tomiyasu defended really, really well again. Very committed. I think of our back line, he's the one that sometimes when he's given the ball in, in dangerous positions or, or positions where he's really being pressed, I feel like he's not as comfortable and I feel like he is the one that will go long the quickest, i.e. will not sometimes even think about playing the shorter pass and will just hit it long. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, that's understanding your limitations as a player and um, and seeing that it's it's not, you know, your skill set, Takiro Tomiyasu, is not that you're a wonderful dribbler or a wonderful passer and therefore when those moments come where you're under pressure, you feel like you're going to hit it longer. And, and and that's okay. That's fine with me. But defending-wise, defensively, I thought he was magnificent. Again, he's incredibly physical. He's incredibly quick across the ground. And I've really, really enjoyed watching him settle into this Arsenal team so quickly. Moving into the centre-back positions, I thought Ben White was unreal today. So far, he's had Harry Kane and Jamie Vardy in his pocket this season. And he's, he's looked magnificent doing it. He, you know, for me, reads the game so brilliantly, so brilliantly. How many times did you see balls played over the top into the direction of Jamie Vardy? You'd pulled out to that inside left position as he does so often. And Ramsdale just, uh, Ramsdale, Ben White calmly just kind of jump up, take it on his chest, jump up, take it under control, clear it. I, I thought he was unbelievable today. Really, really good. Really starting to settle into this Arsenal team. And to be honest, if he continues to perform like that, I couldn't care less if he watches football or not in his spare time. Gabriel alongside him was also superb. Uh, the guy's a man mountain. Not only is he a massive threat in the opposition's penalty area, um, you know, from set pieces like he proved in that first half, but he's also immense in our own. He's so physical, he's so strong, his reading of the game is so very good. He also looks a lot more comfortable in um, in progressing the ball out of the defence, which I thought was one of the things that he was lacking a little bit last season when we saw him. So really pleased that he's uh, he's feeling a little bit more confident in that sense as well. few of you in the chat, by the way, just going back to Ben White pointing out that his name is Benjamin and you're right. I apologise. I'm so used to calling him Ben White, but it is Benjamin White. Moving into left back, Nuno Tavares. I mean, how does Kieran Tierney get his place back in the team? If we are serious about, you know, building this culture whereby players are rewarded for performances and players who, uh, you know, really make a case for themselves and really make a point of showing how good they can be. 
if we're really trying to build that culture whereby those players maintain their places, then Kieran Tierney doesn't get back in the team right now. It's not to say he never will. Um, and it's not to say Nuno Tavares is the finished article. But for me, he brings you something different at left back. Something that I really, really like. And I think he's a lot more physically dominating. And I think over the years, one of the things Arsenal have struggled with is physicality in certain fixtures. I think he is uh, really, really good at carrying the ball down the left flank. Kieran Tierney, you know, he does get up and down, gets played into certain areas a lot and he arrives into certain positions. And then he looks to kind of get the ball into the penalty area. But for me, I think with Tavares, there's something a little bit more in the way that he carries the ball. He just does it a lot more powerfully. And he went on a couple of galloping runs today where he kind of not just, well, he didn't just think about going on the outside. He came inside. And I think that causes chaos for teams, right? Because you're defending, you're set up in a defensive shape and you've already got to worry about Emil Smith-Rowe and him coming in from the left-hand side into a more central position. So your mind is on that. And naturally, as a defender, you're thinking, well, Nuno Tavares is going to go on the outside here, like Kieran Tierney does. It's a pattern of Arsenal's play that we've seen on numerous occasions when we've been doing our scouting and been doing our analysis and research. But Kieran Tierney, uh, but sorry, but Nuno Tavares gives something different because he will pick up the ball and just say, F it. I'm going to drive in field with it and I don't care. I'm going to go. And once he starts going, he's like an absolute steam train. I still think there's a, a little bit of, or there's a little bit lacking in his final ball. Um, and there's a little bit lacking in his overall game. And he's a little bit raw. Raw is the term I'd use for Nuno Tavares, but he can just cause chaos and he defended impeccably well. So I'm not saying that he is, um, you know, the finished article and that Kieran Tierney will never get back in the team. But why drop the lad? He's done so, so well in recent weeks. Will there be a bit of a, you know, will Mikel Arteta look at it and say, OK, let's not get carried away with Nuno Tavares and therefore, you know, although he's done brilliantly, it's no knock on the lad, but we're going to bring Kieran Tierney back in the side. Or will he persist with him? Will he continue with him? And I think over the course of the season, regardless of what Arteta's decision is, Nuno Tavares will be needed because we know that Kieran Tierney is going to break down. He always has. He always will. He's He has a lot of issues with regards to fitness. And, and those f issues clearly are ongoing. And they seem to be chronic almost because it's all kinds of different problems. If it's not a groin, it's a hamstring. If it's not a hamstring, it's a knee. If it's not a knee, it's an ankle. There's always something. And I just feel like Nuno Tavares just gives us a, a different dynamic in that left-back position. I really, really enjoyed what I've seen of him so far in an Arsenal shirt. Before I continue, a uh, big hello to uh, Diddley Squat, who's just signed up to become a member of the Chronicles of Aguna channel. My friend, thank you so much, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Um, tomorrow night, live Sunday night, that is at 10 p.m., we will be holding a fan's phone-in. I think it's really important. You know, as content creators, I think we jump on the idea of doing phone-ins and all kinds of those kind of things, interactive things, when the team is playing badly or when there's something to be outraged and frustrated about. I think it's important that we do it when there's stuff to be positive about as well. So tomorrow, 10 p.m. UK time, right here on this YouTube channel, I will be giving you guys the opportunity for an hour to come on the show, join me live and have your say on anything you want. 
related to the Arsenal. The link will be with you tomorrow via social media, um, 10 p.m. That is, if you're a member of the channel, you get priority in terms of coming on. So there will be a queue, um, which I'll work my way through throughout the show. But if you are a member of the channel, you will get priority. So if you want to do that, if you want to become a member and get yourself on, then you can click on the link in the description. We'd love to have you. And thank you to Diddly Squat. Um, at the moment, I can see there's over 350 of you watching us right now across the multiple platforms. But we've only got 130 likes on the board. Let's try and get that up to 200 at least. That should be pretty straightforward. Also, we were only about 15 subscribers away from hitting that 17K target that we've been trying to get to for weeks. So. If you are new and you're watching this or you're a freeloader, and by that I mean you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do subscribe. Maybe we might even get there during this stream, or if not, then by tomorrow. That would be fantastic. Like, 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 subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Right, uh, let's continue through the team, and I'll take some of your questions as well in just a few minutes. Moving into the midfield, Thomas Partey today was brilliant, wasn't he? At his brilliant best. And I did worry going into this game when I looked at Leicester's midfield. Now, I know that they were, of course, uh, without Wilfred and Didi, but Tielemans, who's been excellent in every sense of the word recently, Samare and Madison felt like a midfield trio Arsenal might struggle to contend with. Uh, but actually, um, you know, I thought we we cope with it really, really well. And that was a testament to not just Thomas Partey, but to Sambi Lekonga as well. I thought Lekonga was a little bit loose in possession on a couple of occasions today. And that was a little bit frustrating. I felt like he took extra touches when they didn't need to be taken. And there was a couple of wayward, wayward passes, um, which were a little bit, you know, we know he can do better. I'm not criticising him because I want to have a go at him. I just, I know that there's more there. And and so when you don't see it necessarily, it's a little bit frustrating. But overall, his game was was relatively good, barring just a couple of moments, which I can't seem to get out of my head. But Thomas Partey was the standout midfielder for me today, as he should be. And, you know, if, if Sammy Lekonga wants to learn his trade, then he's next to a brilliant, um, a brilliant man in, in Thomas Partey that he can learn from. On the left, it was Smith Rowe, who again contributed with a goal, but not just that, pressed incredibly well, worked very, very hard, helped the team. It was brilliant. Um, Saka, too, on the right-hand side, very, very strong start to the game for Bukayo Saka. I think he faded a little bit as the game went on, and it's why he was substituted, but that's why it's a squad game, eh? Um, but again, you know, brilliant. Oba and Laka, I mean, those two guys, it's like they've had a new lease of life, and I... I don't really know what to put this down to, but what I would say is this. I talked about it at the beginning of the show. We said that how can people question whether this team are behind Mikel Arteta? How can people question whether this dressing room are with him? And when you see those two old stalwarts of, of the team in Laka, in Oba, who, you know, they're, they're not young lads. You know, they're not going to reinvent the wheel in terms of the way they play week in, week out. They know exactly what their game is about. They know what their weaknesses are. They know what their strengths are. And they've got habits that they've had and carried with them throughout their footballing career. And for Mikel Arteta to be able to kind of extract something from them that we've never seen from either of them prior to his arrival in terms of pressing, leading from the front, working hard, um, and really setting the tone for what goes on behind them. 
that shows that they are fully engaged with Mikel Arteta. And in Laka's case, he doesn't even have a contract beyond the end of this season. So, you know, some people will say, oh, he's playing for a new contract. You know, that's the classic line that we hear from, uh, you know, the negative Nellies out there. But he's playing incredibly well. He's working extremely hard because he is bought in to what it is that Mikel Arteta is trying to do at Arsenal Football Club. And the same can be said for Aubameyang. And the reason I'm so delighted about it with Aubameyang is because it looked like he was a little bit disinterested last season. There were times where it looked like he was kind of going through the motions. And, and I think now when we look back, you know, one of two things has happened. Either the, the issues that he had to deal with last season, which really uh, took their toll on him, were a lot more impactful on his performances than we maybe saw from the outside. Or he looked back at last season and went, i got to do better. I'm the captain. I'm the club's highest paid player ever. And I need to do more. I need to lead by example. Maybe the criticism that he received hurt him, you know, and, and that's why he's, he stepped it up. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, you've got to give credit to not just those two guys for being able to kind of get their heads down and really work for the team and set that tone, as I say, and set that example for those young players around them. Or you've got to give credit or and I should say, You've got to give credit for Mick, to Mikel Arteta for extracting that from them and keeping them on board. I just think, you know, it, it was brilliant. I think it was an all-round brilliant performance today. And, um, you know, it's great to see. Did I, I said it already. We've had our, we had our backs against the wall on numerous occasions, but we were so resolute. We were so resilient. There was not a player anywhere on the pitch in the Arsenal colours that lacked effort, that lacked heart, that lacked the desire and the passion to go on and win that game. We got the result. It's a great result. And if I told you three games into the season that at this point we'd be three points behind Manchester City, you'd have all laughed at me. But I said we've got to keep the faith. I said that we shouldn't read too much into what happened in those first three games because of the circumstances around them. I said that this was a new look team, a very different team, and that now we would be able to start making our judgments on Mikel Arteta's Arsenal. And I'm not saying we're the finished article. I'm not saying we're going to go on and finish in the top four. I'm not saying that, you know, we are a team who, um, you know, who deserve to be in the top four. But what I can say is this. It feels like we're a team that are at least capable of it. And that's massive progress from where we were at the start of the season. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm really loving it at the moment. I'm so engaged. I'm so on board. And I think that there'll be a lot of Arsenal fans off the back of today that have been very critical of Mikel Arteta that are going to start to change their tune because we are now starting to see in flashes that first uh, 45 minutes today, the first 45 minutes against Spurs, the, the performance against Villa, because we are starting to get flashes of what it is that Mikel Arteta wants from his team. We're not going to be able to maintain it for 90 minutes every single week. We know that because there are better teams than us in the division. But we are starting to see what the vision is. We're starting to see what the end goal is and people are going to start changing their tune now. And I'm pleased that not, I'm not, I'm not pleased because Mikel Arteta has completely turned Arsenal around and now we're going to finish in the top four because we're still a long way from that. But I am pleased that in giving him time and in giving him the opportunity to work and not calling for his head early on, I like to think that those of us who have been 
of that opinion and of that view and who have tried to be fair with Mikel Arteta have played a small part in supporting the team and, you know, keeping, you know, keeping some positivity around the project that could well be something very, very good and something very, very positive for this football club. Because if everybody was Mikel Arteta out, I don't know if the environment would have been the right one for him to keep plugging away, stick to his guns and get us to this point. So I think if you are an Arsenal fan that recognised what a big job this was going to be, supported, understood that at various times it wasn't good enough, but supported and didn't rant and rave every single week after every single subpar performance, after every single poor result, then I think that, you know, you have done your job as a supporter. I think the term supporter is is often lost on a lot of us Arsenal fans. And it's frustrating. It's something I can't get my head around. You know, we were talking as recently as a couple of weeks ago about Arsenal fans wanting Arsenal to lose so that Mikel Arteta will get sacked. Nah, not for me. You back your team's manager until it becomes untenable. And to be three points behind Manchester City in the Premier League at this point, given the start that we had, it's actually pretty respectable. Have results gone our way this weekend in terms of some of the teams around us? Yeah, they have. Of course they have. But I'll tell you what, that's what this league is all about. Just like Liverpool can drop points at home to Brighton. We dropped points against Brighton. It was an outrage. It was the worst thing ever. Liverpool do it. Oh, but, uh, you know, Liverpool are just having an off day. Manchester United, with all their riches and all their top-class strikers and players and 70 million pound signings in the summer. They dropped points this season too. This league is a very, very difficult one. And whoever wins it is not going to finish on as many points as Manchester City did when they won it with 100. Or the other season when I think they won it with 98 and Liverpool had 97 or whatever it was, was there or thereabouts. I think for me, you've got to, you've got to look at, when you're judging the quality of a team and where a team is at, you don't just look at yourselves. You look at what's going on around you. Because ultimately, the benchmark is those around you. You need to finish above 16 teams in the Premier League to finish fourth. So are you better than those 16 teams? If you are, then you're good enough to do it. And that's what you've got to be looking at. Stop comparing Arsenal to the Invincibles and Arsenal great teams of the past. Where are Arsenal are at now? Where are we at now? And where are we in comparison to the teams that we're competing with? And I think based on what we've seen in the last few weeks... You have to be really positive about our chances of finishing in a European place. That's the goal. That's the objective this season. Don't be fooled. It's not about Arsenal winning the Premier League. That's not going to happen for a long time. Probably won't happen while Manchester City and Chelsea are in the position that they are financially because they are that dominant, because they can go and buy £100 million strikers and spend hundreds of millions and pounds on fullbacks. It's just a different league, different level. But you need to be realistic in assessing Arsenal and you need to look at the teams around us. And everybody in the Premier League drops points nowadays because that's the nature of the division. It's the nature of the league. Gone are the days where you're going to win 28 games, 28 of your 38 fixtures and march to the title. Those days are gone. And the teams that do do that, 
will undoubtedly become champions because they'll be outstanding teams. We're not needing to get above the outstanding teams. We're needing to get above the rest. And that's what it comes down to. Right, let's take a couple of your questions before we wrap up. Get your thoughts in the chat box. Questions, pop a cue at the beginning of them and I'll pick out as many as I can for the last sort of 15 minutes or so of the show. Uh, big hello to Innie, who says, really appreciate when Harry goes live on American time. Great performance from the boys. And I tip my hat to Mikel for the run the team is on. Big hello to Innie. Hope you're well, mate. Um, thank you uh, so much for tuning in. And thank you very much for your kind super chat donation. Um, yeah, I've been going live on American time quite a bit lately, haven't I? Because, of course, We've been at a lot of the recent games. A lot of them have been at home, which has meant by the time I get back, it's obviously very late here in the UK, which suits you guys across the pond uh, a lot better. But anyway, let's take some of your thoughts. Um, Afsar agrees with me. He says that the Premier League is a lot harder nowadays. It absolutely is. Of course it is. Um, and that's why it's the most difficult league in the world because everybody can beat everybody. I mean, Brentford have been flying this season. Brentford who beat us on the opening weekend of the season. Well, they got spanked by Burnley today. Crystal Palace, who people were criticising us for picking up a draw against. They beat Manchester City at the Etihad today, as is pointed out in the chat by said Blogger. So that's where, you know, that, that's the standard of this league. You're not going to win every bloody game. But when you can put runs together like the one we're on now, you have to enjoy it. You have to ride the wave. You have to cash in, pick up as many points as you can because that stands you in better stead. John P says, are you worried about Odegaard's quality at all? Now, Martin Odegaard, of course, came on as a substitute today. Um, he replaced Alexander Lacazette. I think it was around about the hour mark or just after that, um, off the top of my head. Obviously, we'll, we'll look that up and correct me in the chat if I'm wrong, but I think it was around about the hour mark. In fact, let me check it. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, 58 minutes. Yeah. So two minutes out. Am I worried about Martin Odegaard? I'm not. I'm not. Um, I know a lot of Arsenal fans out there are. And I think a lot of them have good reason for that. I think that sometimes his performances have been a little bit subpar. What I will say about Martin Odegaard, though, is you've got to remember that when we talk about players being young and players being... Uh, very kind of raw still. And, and as a result of their lack of experience and the fact that they're still finding their feet in their footballing careers, they are inconsistent. Martin Odegaard falls into that category as well. The guy's 21 years old. And, and because he came from Real Madrid, because he's been on the scene since he was 16 years old, there's this kind of expectation around Martin Odegaard at times that I think is a little bit unrealistic. When he came on, I thought he worked quite hard. I thought he pressed well when we got the opportunity. I think he did give the ball away a couple of times. And I understand why, you know, that that kind of sets alarm bells ringing. But what I would say was, do you remember when it got to about the 70th minute in today's game? We started to take the game to Leicester a little bit more. And we had a couple of chances, didn't we? We had the Aubameyang chance from the set piece. We had that free kick that was chipped over at the far post that he smashed across the box. We had the other one where I just mentioned that he came in at the far post and almost turned the ball in. And that came from a little period where Arsenal just pushed right up the pitch and started to get a foothold in the game again and just controlled it and took the sting out of Leicester City for a little while. I thought Martin Odegaard's passing and positioning was very, very key 
in us wrestling back that little bit of control for that period of time. I don't think he was great for the entire half an hour he was on the pitch, but I think there was a 10, 12, maybe 13 minute spell where he was quite instrumental. And I think that really helped us get up the pitch and force the play to stay in Leicester's half for a little while, which ultimately proved key in keeping them out. So, yeah, um, I'm not worried about it. I just think he's having a little bit of a dip in form. Mikel Arteta leapt to his defence yesterday in the press conference uh, ahead of the game, talked about the fact that he'd obviously joined the club a little bit later on in the window, picked up injuries on international duty, just came back from an injury as well. So I think Mikel Arteta's quite okay with where Martin Odegaard is at at the moment. I think I am too. I think if it continues for a long period of time, you know, then you can start to to reassess and look at the situation and decide maybe whether there's a discussion to be had there. But at this moment in time, I'm not quite there yet. Uh, a couple of you asking me about, and, and two of you uh, have asked me uh, about this now, Archangel and Manny um, asking me about the decision uh, only to give uh, Johnny Evans a yellow card for that foul on Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang as he turned uh, away from him. I think had it been closer to the goal, I think it would have definitely been a denial of a goal scoring opportunity. I think there was a long way from where the foul took place to the goal. Not really sure if I would have given it as a red card. I think if it was against us and the red card was brandished, I'd have been quite disappointed. A lot of people are pointing out to me that there was an identical foul on Wilfred Zaha committed by Imeric Laporte in the City Palace game, which saw... Uh, the Spanish defender. Is he Spanish now? What nationality is he now? Yeah, he was French now. He's Spanish. I'm Eric Laporte, uh, choosing to change his uh, allegiances at international level. I haven't seen the Laporte foul yet. I've got to be honest. I, I was working on the Liverpool-Brighton game. I then watched the Spurs-United game. Um, and then I was doing some fireworks with some friends and the, and the little man. So I haven't seen it yet. I am going to go and watch Match of the Day. Uh, which is on record as soon as I finish up on this stream. So, yeah, um, I haven't seen it yet and I'll probably be in a better place to answer that question for you a little bit later on. But if it was identical, then I feel like Laporte's might have been a little bit harsh um, in that instance. But we'll have a look. We'll have a look and I'll come back to you on that one. Uh, let's take just a couple more questions. Uh, Dalisu says, how important do you think Gabriel is to this Mikel Arteta side? Oh, he's massive. He's massive. But, you know, it, being reliant on good players is not a big problem. You know, sometimes football can be as simple as having better players. Buying better players improves your team. Look at Man United today, right? They've been really struggling in recent weeks. Ronaldo, wonderful goal, wonderful assist for Ennis and Cavani, another top quality player who popped up, dinked it over the goalkeeper, doubled United's lead. The game was ultimately over. They added a third a little bit later on. But the point is that if you've got better players than your opponents, or most of the time, that quality shines through and you ultimately end up um, being in a place where, you know, you're going to win most of your duels and most of your football matches. And, and, and that's just how it is. I think Gabriel is massive, obviously. He's hugely important to the team. But Virgil van Dijk is huge too. Liverpool and you saw what happened to them last season when he was missing for a period of time so I think every team has got its players that no matter how much depth they've got how much quality they've got they're just imperative to the team performing at a very very high level and, and I think he is certainly one of them 
Um, let's see what else we've got in the chat box. A big hello to the Wandering Minstrel. I hope you're well, man. Um, I hope you enjoyed the performance today as well. Uh, he says, smash the like button. Yes, please do. Let's see where we are. We're eight away from that target I set of 200 likes. Make sure you hit that like button if you haven't done so already. And in terms of subscribers, where are we at? Because as I said, we might, if we're lucky, get a little bit closer to that 17K mark during this show. In fact, we're just six subscribers away. So if you are watching this and you're not subscribed, please do hit that subscribe button. It really, really does help. If you're listening via the audio platforms as well, leave us a review. Love to all of you listening on the audio too. Um, what else have we got? A big hello to Benchwarmers FC TV. Who says, keep up the awesome work. Thanks for the daily content. Make the days better, Harry, especially after a win. Look, some I'm not going to lie, and, and we've had this conversation before, right? There are people out there who love watching Arsenal um, struggle and, and enjoy watching Arsenal lose because it gives them something to moan about and, and get online and rant about. I enjoy doing these shows a million times more when Arsenal have won a football match. And actually, one of the things I'm most proud of about this channel and about this podcast is our highest viewed videos and podcasts. So highest viewed and highest listened to podcasts this season have come off the back of victories. And that tells me that we've got a great community here of people that genuinely love the Arsenal. And we're not a place where people come just to see somebody lose their shit and talk absolute nonsense um, when Arsenal lose. So that really makes me proud of, of the kind of community that we've built here. We've got a great group on the Discord server as well. Uh, lots of uh, really great members who are supporting me to bring you more content. If you want to become one of those people, if you want to join the Chronicles of Aguna family, you can do so uh, by clicking on the link in the description. And as I talk about people that want to moan, uh, where is it? Clicked on the wrong one. Akene says, uh, your mate Dan Potts. Yeah, look, Dan Potts put a video on AFTV today where he said, Arteta's starting to change my mind. Oh, Dan, welcome to the party, mate. Welcome to the party. I'm sure we'll be having words at some point this week. Might even get him on the show. But anyway, um, I think I'm going to leave it there because it is uh, 10 or 11.25 p.m. here in the UK. I want to go and watch Match of the Day before my um, my children start waking up because last few nights they've not wanted to sleep uh, throughout the night. So um I'm sure I'm going to have to deal with some children waking up at some point. So I might as well uh, go and quickly watch match of the day while they're still asleep. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you subscribe. Love to every single one of you. Tactical analysis of our win at Leicester City coming up tomorrow. Stay tuned. I think it will probably be around about midday, but I'll post on the channel to let you guys know. I'll catch you all tomorrow. Take care. Stay safe. All the best up the Arsenal and uh, Tottenham get battered everywhere they go. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.